The Miami Dolphins and Houston Texans have new head coaches in Matt Williamson's mock draft 1.0 for the 2022 NFL draft coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. It is Monday, and it is a Mock Draft Monday today. Matt Williamson's Mock Draft 1.0. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you. On this Monday episode, this episode brought to you by GetUpside. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL, get your Twitter Tuesday questions ready for tomorrow's episode. Already have a few uh, ready to go and lined up for that Twitter Tuesday that we'll be doing throughout the offseason. Then we'll start getting deep into Super Bowl 56 on Wednesday as we get closer and closer to the big game. Before all of that and before Matt Williamson's Mock Draft 1.0, we've got more coaching hires, more coaching news around the NFL and a brand new fresh one yesterday and an even fresher one this morning right before we hit record, Matt. We have two new head coaches now that are happening in the NFL. Not a done-done deal, but it sounds like Lovey Smith will be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. A little bit of a surprise there. And I guess a surprise in its own right, Mike McDaniel, former 49ers offensive coordinator, is going to be head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Which one would you like to start with first, Matt? Uh, let's do the Finns, since it has some Niner ties. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this to open the show, but just wanted to reiterate it, that uh, now that we're in off-season mode, there's only one more game remaining. I'm sure you guys have realized that. I think every Tuesday, give or take, will be Twitter Tuesday. So even if we don't throw throw it out there, you know, on Twitter, if we forget, just pump them and pump our, our questions on Tuesdays going forward. Yeah, so, Tuesday mornings, get those ready there. for us. Or, you know, better yet, have them ready on Monday, so... So, so we've got those in advance and ready to go for our Tuesday yeah. morning recording sessions. Mike McDaniel, interesting one. Very smart guy. Well thought of around the league. Um, he is a unique character. He's 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 only been offensive coordinator for one year, so he's only been in front of the mic and at the podium a lot with 49ers media this one season. So I, I don't know a lot about Mike McDaniel's personality except for what I've learned about him this season. And it didn't jump out to me, especially right away, as a guy who's like, oh, this is a, a going to be a head coach like like now, this year, you know. Um, but he's clearly smart. I think he's a really good teacher, whether it's other videos I've seen of him doing installs or at coaching clinics or different camps and things like that. Uh, he's really smart. He's a really good teacher, I think, which is important. Obviously, the 49ers run game. He was run game coordinator before he was offensive coordinator. If you're hiring Mac Mike McDaniel, you're trying to get a better run game on your football team. I think that is clear. I think he got better with the media as the season went on, but I do have some questions. He's he's You're hiring a head coach who's, A, never called to play in the NFL because he's always been behind Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, although he has been a huge part of game planning and scripting plays. He just hasn't been the one calling plays during games. And I don't is he a leader of men? I don't know. We'll find out if he's that kind of a head coach. But uh, clearly with some of the hires we've seen, both coach-wise and especially, um, I, I think, front office-wise around the league, the nerds are starting to win. Matt and I think Mike. I think Mike's a little bit on the nerd category, but when you do see him in his element, one one clip really jumps to my mind. Is there was a, I think it's called QB Collective, which is a, a quarterback camp for high level high school players before they go into college. 
and Mike McDaniel's a part of it. I think uh, Mike Shanahan is is the one that's spearheading a lot of that too. But there was one clip where I saw Mike McDaniel, and he was like running the show, and that was with Sean McVay was there, Matt Lafleur was there, and Kyle Shanahan also was there. And Mike McDaniel was the one like running the thing. He was like telling everybody what's going on. He was teaching everybody. It seemed like, and you know, I don't know if he was teaching much to Mike McVay and Matt LaFleur, but he was he was in his element and clearly well-respected by colleagues and a very smart guy, um, you know, Yale graduate, and he's been around the league for a long time, but he's been kind of the guy in the shadows behind Kyle Shanahan, so this will be interesting to see him out in front now and not with Kyle Shanahan in running his own show. I'm as interested as anybody else to find out how this works out for Mike McDaniel, but smart and a good teacher, it's a good place to start. Yeah, it absolutely is, you know, I mean, uh, you said a lot there. You're more familiar with him than I am. That's why I wanted to start there. I don't have a ton more to add, except for I'm very curious how this works out. Because the more and more, you know, when, when his name popped up and we, we we threw it out there weeks ago, I think both of us were under the impression that this would be, um, you know, a, a wave of, of uh, attention for him this year go back to the Niners, have another strong year, and then yes. next year you might really be in the mix. But I've done more homework on him since, and from all accounts and a lot of different people that know him pretty well, that he's like the type of guy you never forget having a conversation with. You know, like, I- I'll cite Ross Tucker's podcast, my former co-host, friend of the show. He had Greg Cosell on today, who I cite all the time and knows way more than I'll ever know about the game and has been doing it a long time. And Greg said some things like, when I talked, these are Greg's words, more or less. He said, when I talked to Mike McDaniel, I sat down thinking, I know an awful lot of football. I've been doing this a long time. And I left the conversation thinking the same, but realizing this guy sees the game much differently than anyone I've been around. And Greg used the word savant like five times in his conversation (laughs) with Ross. And he didn't detract from Kyle Shanahan at all, who I know Greg has great respect for, as we all do. But he said several times without exactly saying it that kind of like to your point about that clinic, that McDaniel might be the brains of the operation in a way. Like he may even be advanced taking what Shanahan has given him and taking it to a new level with the way he thinks, particularly in the run game. And my last note here is whoever the Dolphins running back is this year is going to be on my fantasy team. (laughs) Right. And, and really the running back doesn't matter as much as they got to fix that offensive line over there in, uh, in in Miami and I'm sure they'll add a running back or two to the mix but yeah Miles Gaskin that's fine with me uh, I think Mike McDaniel is going to run the football and, and he'll put together the schemes and yeah there's so much detail into it and um and all the moving parts are there for a reason you see all the motion the 49ers run mo- more motion than any team in the league and it's all of this stuff is just to get one linebacker one step in the wrong direction and and right. he's so good at doing that and it's wide zone stuff but he's all he's also learned how to counter teams who are trying to counter the outside zone so they're doing things where they're like running a toss to the running back but he cracks back across the other way instead of tossing it to the side where he gets out and and wide on a on a toss that you would normally think you're tossing it and run it back uh, you know uh, countering it back inside and so he's he's just there's it's it's a very deep 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 playbook of runs and um yeah and so many of those teams around the league are starting to run this running game and mike mcdaniel might be one of the best minds as far as how to scheme those up yeah, it sure sounds like it. And 
that offense needs a lot of help. And I do think there's some similarities between Tua and Jimmy in that they're both yeah. you know, not overwhelming I've, physically no, gifted. I've I've called. It's funny because in the past, I don't know if you remember this, I've called Tua left-handed Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I like that's a yep. perfect fit to me because a lot of fans ask me, oh, does this mean that Garoppolo's going to get traded to the Dolphins? Like, no, they got left-handed Jimmy over there already. Short passing right. game. Right. Um, we've already got one question about how this changes for someone like Jalen Waddle in the books. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow and uh, and talk about more about this Dolphins roster and this Dolphins team. But very interesting hire here. And clearly running game's important. Clearly very different coach. More of a, a player's coach. Less hard-nosed than, the, than Brian Flores, who was recently fired. Offensive guy instead of a defensive guy. So clearly they wanted to change things up a lot at the top in Miami. Yeah. And on the surface, I like it. I mean, I don't know what he's like on game day or as a leader of men or all those things, you know, is he, he could be the perfect example of a guy that hits his head on, on the ceiling of being an offensive play caller designer. There's a lot more to the head coaching world, but everything I've found out about the human being and his way of looking at the game is very impressive. So much more to the head coaching world than than uh, than being an assistant, being a coordinator, especially a coordinator that didn't call plays. So, yeah, we'll find out how that goes for Mike McDaniel. We've seen how it went for Lovey Smith as head coach. I have big questions here as it pertains to the Houston Texans. We can't spend too much time on this because I want to get to your mock draft starting in the next segment, Matt. But why go through this whole process, fire David Coley, then you interview a guy that's one guy, one of your candidates is suing the NFL, another candidate has never coached at the college or NFL level, and then you end up with Lovey Smith. And, and I've seen some Texans fans out there who, who feel like this is a little bit of a retread, and it just seems like an odd process to fire David Coley and end up where the Texans ended up right here. Can you help me make sense of this for Houston? Not so much. Um, I always thought that the Coley hiring – First of all, was not anything against him. He far overshot my expectations for him. He seems like a fine coach, and he was a wide receiver coach here in Pittsburgh, and people rave about him. But I kind of felt like he was the only one. Not People weren't lining up for the job last year. Let's just say that. And then when the Dolphins made their move, you know, firing Flores, immediately Cully gets fired, and I thought, wow, the, the Patriot connection, they're just shocked Flores is available. They're going to jump on him. And maybe all this stuff since then scared them off. But it, even before that came out, it didn't seem like that that I was right about that, to be honest with you. Um, I have no problem with the Lovey Smith hire. I have a problem with if they play all cover two, kind of like they did when he was you know, coordinating. But he is a good leader. He's smart. He's won a lot of games in this league. And kind of like the, the Jacksonville hiring, He's the adult in the room, and I think this organization needs the adult in the room. He's been a head coach at multiple stops since being the mm-hmm. Rams defensive coordinator 2001 to 2003. He was with the Bucks before that, then ended up head coaching the Bears, then the Bucks, then um, Illinois. He was the head coach for, what, four years, five years? Then, yeah, yeah. Then went to the Houston Texans last year as defensive coordinator, and then jumped up to head that's weird he was already on the staff and you fired the head guy just to make the defensive coordinator and assistant head coach now the head coach just an odd situation for the texans yeah i mean did you get a lot better there than you know by making these moves you just lost a coach really oh that's all you did (laughs) because you already had the guy who's head coach on the staff 
that's like checking inventory and you go in a couple weeks later and like, oh, we're missing a little bit less than what we had, you know, <laughs> right. a little spoilage, you know. So very interesting there with uh, and big questions. Maybe we'll get the folks from yeah, Cody and John from Locked on Texans on to make sense of this for us in some coming episodes on the show. But I want to get to Mock Draft 1.0 from Matt Williamson. Now we are post Senior Bowl Mock Draft Monday coming up. As it happens in February, this is the time of year that a lot of folks give up on their New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I personally am sticking to my resolution to eat right, and a lot of that is thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I enjoy eating Built Bar so much, and if you make Built Bars part of your health routine, it will be much easier for you as well. Have you tried the Puffs, by the way? If you haven't, you're missing out. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in, guess what, 100% real chocolate. So you absolutely don't feel like you're missing out. Churro Puffs are back. Coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie flavor, they're going to be your new favorite. Check them out at Built.com. And oh yeah, Built Bars contain, most of them, only about 130 calories and only 4 grams of sugar. Compare that to 30 grams of sugar-filled, 250-calorie-plus candy bars that you might be reaching for instead. So go swap out all of your secret snack hiding places with Built Bars, and you'll be better off for it. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and you can get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Here we go. It's draft season, Matt. The Senior Bowl's in the books. And it's for 30 teams, it's draft season. For 32 teams, in a few days, it'll be draft season. So let's get into Matt Williamson's Mock Draft 1.0. Let the listeners know who maybe don't remember last year's Mock Draft season, what your process is, and how you put together Mock Drafts. Yeah, and I, I, I don't hide this. I'm learning on the fly. You know, draft season for me really begins – the second the AFC and NFC championship game end, and that goes right into senior bowl week. So even not being in mobile, I learned an awful lot this past week of these guys, even some players that weren't there and to pull back the curtain, you know, one of my responsibilities for the Steelers for Steelers.com is they want us to you know, put out draft content. We do a lot of these videos. We call them triple takes where, we pick a position and three of us rank our top five and we write up an article that accompanies that. And this all starts off with a mock draft and we'll do three or four of them between now and April for Steelers.com, um, who I'm writing for now as I have for the last few years. And I'll be honest, this I've done mo many mock drafts in my almost 20 years of media. This year is really hard. And here's a couple of reasons why is the top of the draft does not have slam dunk prospects. I've heard many people say this, and I'm going to reiterate it, that I'm not sure anyone in this draft would go in the top 10 of last year's draft. Like, I would take Jamar Chase over anyone in this draft, let alone the five quarterbacks. And, I mean, with all respect to Hutchinson and Thibodeau and those guys, you know, they're not Miles Garrett. They're not Bosa. They're not, you know, Chase Young. So the top of the draft is really weak. And that correlates with the top of the quarterback class being weak, but also deep. And it just, it, it, my hunch is if you look at all the mock drafts on the, the web that you respect this year, right about now, and this will get clearer, I bet there's about 60 names you'll find in the first round, you know, just because 
it, it's a deep draft. It's just not a heavy draft. So people are putting new names in all the time. And again, I'm still learning. And I'll be honest, I'm going to be critical of myself because there's some guys, there's four or five players that I believe, if you ask me, will Arnold Epichetti from Penn State be in the first round? If it's just a yes-no question, <laughs> I would say yes. But he didn't end up in my first round. You know, I mean, uh, same is true for there's – a, there's a couple edge guys. I'm just pulling up the names here real quick. Jermaine Johnson from Florida State was awesome at the Senior Bowl. He looks like a first-round pick to me. Didn't get in my first round. Cameron Thomas, another defensive end, didn't get in my first round. Logan Hall, didn't get in my first round. Marvin Neal. So there's like 50 to 60 names that are all first-round potential guys. So that's what I know at this point. So if you want to dig right in, let's go. So it sounds to me like what you're saying is the the playoff teams, it's going to be a rich get richer situation because you're not think, missing yeah. out that hard on not having a top 10 pick in this year's class. That's a great way to look at it. You know, I mean, it's not the best year to pick one, two, three. I mean, if the Jags are thinking about trading down from one, is there going to be a big market? You know, I mean, I, I don't think there will be. And every season there tends to be, you know, those names that kind of creep up and, and all of a sudden you're talking about a guy, that, you know, oh, maybe this is a top 15 guy. And then you hear, oh, right. this guy's not going to get out of the top eight. You know, we heard that last year with some, some famous names and they ended up squeaking out. But um, See, that brings me, though, to Malik Willis, from the quarterback from Liberty. Yes. Because it's not that strong, he's the most talented. I thought he was the most impressive senior bowl week. Does that mean we could even start hearing him – at two to Detroit mm -hmm. or three to Houston or it's going to happen to Carolina. See, I think it's going to happen. So uh, just to let's wait, we'll wait till we You're get to go, yeah, Malik we'll Willis. Cause I think his name is going to show up in your mock draft, but let's start oh, at yeah. number one. And one of the things this is probably going to do is it's going to dampen trade action at the top of the draft as well. Right. So I, I don't think I any think of these so, teams yeah. are going to be able to move out of here because who's coming up, maybe someone, you know, but cause there's, there's, it's a deep edge class and a deep offensive tackle class. So those are the top names. So nobody's going to be probably moving up for those guys either, unless it's a sweetheart of a deal. So anyway, let's yep. start with, it is a really good tackle and edge yes, class. I mean, I had to leave a couple good ones off. Good, but not, not, not an elite guy, not elite, elite, top yeah, not elite. Jonathan Ogden. You right. Know, right. Well, who do you got at number one then for those Jacksonville Jaguars, man? Um, Doug Peterson's taken over, comes from the Eagles. They build on the line of scrimmages. I, I, they want big people. I'm going to take the best tackle, and it's, he's not even definitely the best tackle. Evan Neal from Alabama. This offseason has to be about making Lawrence's life easier, and to me, he's the best offensive prospect here, so plug him in. It's pretty amazing. I've seen at least three different offensive tackles at number one to the Jaguars. I've seen a couple of de defensive yeah, ends yeah. for the Jaguars at number one. This is going to be wide open, and uh, I, I have a feeling – the combine is going to be so big because it's going to be a tiebreaker. Who's got the longest arms, the best feet, who's got the most raw materials that you can work with. And, and that'll be the guy that ends up going there, whether it's Evan Neal, uh, Ike McWanu, yep. Icky, they call him. Cross. I wonder if he's got an Icky shuffle. If he gets drafted <laughs> number one. Yeah. And Charles Cross, another name I've seen all the way up at number one. So it'll be interesting right now, Alabama's Evan Neal. And you know, if you're starting left tackle at Alabama, you got a lot of raw tools. And he's massive, and you know they need to help Lawrence in every way possible. Yeah, nope, not a bad selection at all there. And how about the Detroit Lions? You've got them staying at home in their home state with defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. Unless Willis is somebody they just think they have to have, I think they would jump all over Hutchinson. His mentality really fits the team. 
They need an, a, a, a four, three type defensive end, uh, tough guy from the neighborhood, give or take. I mean, I think his makeup is more knee biter than Thibodeau's is. And I think Aiden Hutchinson is athletic. I don't know what the arm length is going to look like at the combine. I think mm-hmm. that'll be the last check on the box, but he actually made Bruce Feldman's freaks list. So he's not, yeah, it's he's not like he's an unathletic, just a try hard guy either. So Aiden Hutchinson has production. He is a high motor player. So every team is going to like him a lot. And I think he will work out enough to where teams feel really good about him at the top. So I think that's why he yep. ends up beating out Kayvon Thibodeau for the top spot. Cause Thibodeau, who you have next going here, a defensive end out of Oregon to number three to the Houston Texans sort of up and down production wise but does have some pretty wow tools as a as a prototype edge player yeah i think he's a better von miller like bender you know than hutchinson hutchinson's a little stiffer but thibodeau is a little up and down with his effort and his production as well but if lovey smith's gonna be the head coach and i plugged this in before knowing that they're going to be a rush four, drop seven team. You know, you better start with a good pass. Right? Yeah, one of those ends even makes more sense now, seeing that Lovey yeah, Smith yeah. went there. I mean, that's going to be an organizational philosophy, and they need it, but they need just about everything. So they're going to be taking folk calls to the last second, and I think they're going to land on a defensive end there at number three. Agreed. Um, which, which, the Jets are another team that need everything. That, it hurts the Jets, though, because Robert Sala's defense is really dependent on having that edge rush, and they've spent first-round picks the last two years on offensive linemen, and I see a lot of offensive tackles in the draft for them, and in a lot of mock drafts, Hutchinson and Thibodeau are already gone. That puts the Jets in a rough spot. Maybe the Jets could be one of those teams that does go up, you know, spends a third round, or they've got some draft capital. Go they up and extras, you know, yeah. just make sure you get yourself a defensive end, because if, if one of Thibodeau or Hutchinson is available for, I will 100% be putting them in all of my mock drafts because I think that's what they will need and want the most. But if those guys are gone, it gets a little bit more difficult. It does. And traditionally, as you mentioned, the solid defenses don't put their premium resources in their secondary and pulling back the curtain. I have the Jets taking a safety now, Kyle Hamilton and a corner. I don't think philosophically that's what they want to do, but their secondary needs a lot of work. And Marcus May is a free agent. Their corners are really bad. I think they would prefer pass rush, but Lawson comes back. They did invest there. Um, I could see a tackle, but I, I don't know why he just wouldn't keep Morgan Moses. He played pretty well and put him opposite Becton and you got Fear Tucker. So I went with Kyle Hamilton, who I think is probably the best prospect in this draft, but he's a safety. So, I mean, maybe he could have a Derwin James fall into the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, Derwin James is probably the level of athlete he is too. And I mean, I've even seen the name Sean Taylor thrown out there, which is you know that's high praise. But that's how freaky Kyle Hamilton. We're talking forty inch vertical, a guy who's six four two twenty. He's got linebacker size, you know, center field free safety range and athleticism. Uh, He can go pick the ball off. I mean, he he's he's got all the talent in the world. And but he's a safety a coming off an injury as well um, in his in his last season there at Notre Dame. So. There's going to be some questions about where he goes as a prospect, but man, uh, just wow, physical ability. And I'm sure if he's able and, and works out the combine, he's going to put up some crazy numbers and people won't be too shocked to see him go in the top 10. No, right. I mean, again, he might be the best prospect. If we're just putting grades on him on a hundred point scale, he may get a 98 where no one else is in the 95s or above. But how much value to put on a safety? Um, I think he is a, maybe a little more Sean Taylor than Derwin James because I think he's a little better on the third level than James. I love Derwin James, though. So 
But now we get to the uh, the Giants, who have two out of the next three. Yeah, New York Giants. Uh, let's get to both of the Giants picks and then the Carolina Panthers in between, and then we'll break and we'll run through the uh, second half of the mock draft a little bit faster. I do have a lot of yeah, questions yeah. about uh, your process here as it comes to some of the quarterback needy teams here when you get deeper into the draft. But the New York Giants at number five, you have them going with an offensive tackle out of North Carolina State. That is Ikem Ikwanu. I think Daniel Jones is going to be the quarterback, at least for this year. And you brought in an offensive mind. And I think if he's going to succeed, kind of like Lawrence, they have skill guys, build a line. I mean, I think the Buffalo way of doing things will realize that's the way to use these picks. And I think they'll have a tackle they like at five. Question. Knowing who the front office is now and bringing in Brian Dable from Buffalo, Knowing that they kind of surprised some people and went up and got the most toolsy quarterback in 2018 to run their show, do you think the the New York Giants, whether it's at pick five or pick seven, are a dark horse to sneak in and draft someone like Malik Willis and kind of surprise some folks? I do. I mean, my hunch is ownership and the new hires sat down and said, your job this year is to turn Daniel Jones into a quarterback. So dark horse, yes, but... You know, we've seen these things before. You know, the the Cardinals hire a new guy and Rosen's out and we fell in love with this guy in the draft. And it's funny, I was asked just the other day about Willis, who's he remind you of? And certainly if they walked in the room, him and Josh Allen look nothing alike. But Josh Allen is the prospect he most reminds me of because immense tools that he just really needs to refine. It's not like Josh. I mean, Josh Allen was not a slam dunk coming out of Wyoming. I didn't right? like him coming out of school. Not I a, he was bad as a rookie. Yeah. Right. Not a big time program. Super raw. Uh, had a lot of tools, but yep. it hadn't come together yet. So, yeah, not that far off from what the scouting report looks like for for Malik Willis. But you do have him going offensive tackle here at five. Another quarterback needy team. Will they even be selecting at number six? Will they make a big splash in the offseason? We'll find out. But you've got another offensive tackle, the third so far in six picks to the Carolina Panthers, Charles Cross. I think this is where it gets interesting with quarterback because I don't know if they're going to have the resources by paying Darnold to go get a high-priced guy. It might be draft one, and that's our only choice you know, financially. Um, I think Panthers have to go, if it's not quarterback has to be O line at six. Like there's a couple spots. Cleveland, I think is going to take a wide receiver. Carolina, I think is going to take an offensive lineman unless it's a quarterback. Like there's some spots. I think that the positions are pretty clear. Four out of seven selections, Matt, for you are offensive linemen with the Giants doubling up here, going with the center out of Iowa, the best interior offensive lineman in this class, Tyler Linderbaum. So he reminds me of Kyle Hamilton in that he is an elite prospect at a position people don't value that much. And I keep looking at this Giants situation like the Jets when they took Nick Mangold and the Brickishaw Ferguson and they were set on the offensive line for a long time. You drafted a tackle last year. You drafted a tackle at five. Put Linderbaum in between them at at center and say, We've got a line finally, and Linderbaum, you're going to be a 12-year starter for us. I mean, I don't know. He could fall to 20, though. I mean, that's why <laughs> right. this draft's weird. Yeah. This, center. This is an odd draft for that very reason. All right. We know quarterbacks off the board yet. Let's go 8 through 32, go a little bit faster, and, and some more thoughts about potential quarterback landing spots coming up. Have you tried the GetUpside app yet? If you haven't, you're missing out because GetUpside is an incredible app everybody who buys gas needs to know about. Get free cash back for gassing up like you already normally are. 
Every time you fill up, you can get cash back for every gallon with the Get Upside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Some people drive a lot or making as much as two, three hundred dollars a year in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash goes right into your Get Upside account. You can cash out anytime you want to your bank account, PayPal, an e-gift card, an Amazon card. So go to your app store, Google Play, right now. Get the free Get Upside app. Use promo code Touchdown to get twenty-five cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's promo code Touchdown with the Get Upside app. Four offensive linemen a safety, and two defensive ends. That's within in the top seven of Matt Williamson's mock draft. Let's uh, go through this quickly here and group some picks up. Eight through 11, Atlanta Falcons going with the first corner off the board. LSU's Derek Stingley, whose name I've heard for a very long time and is finally in this draft class, but his star, not quite as shiny as it was, uh, even going back all the way to like 2019. Denver Broncos going with the first quarterback in this class. Out of pit, Kenny Pickett, Ahmad Gardner corner from... Cincinnati, most of you probably know him better as Sauce Gardner to the New York Jets at 10. And then at 11, the Washington Commanders, not the football team, the Commanders, going with the Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Now we're seeing the quarterbacks off the board, Matt, at 9-11. And this is where my thought process goes when it comes to the NFL draft. If a quarterback can go at 11, then he can probably go at 9. And if a quarterback can go at 9, he can probably go at 7 or 6. Two. And then if he can go at 7 <laughs> or 6, yeah. uh, you can probably go at 2, right? So yeah, yeah maybe, maybe we will see a quarterback at the top of the draft after all. But yeah, I, I do like these landing spots for the quarterbacks. And especially when you start getting outside of the top 10, 11 in Washington, one of the quarterbacks is going to go. Yeah, agreed. I, I think this is quarterback neighborhood now. Um, there's some debate, Stingley versus Gardner for verse, first corner. Um, I prefer Willis to pick it, but I thought Denver might look at it like, we don't want a project. We want a guy that can come in and play now. And they may already have their quarterback when the draft rolls around. Yeah, that's the other thing is the teams that end up with like, well, are we going to take an unknown at quarterback? Well, let's just try to send this pick to Seattle or Green Bay. And and, and I think those those things will all be exhausted for Carolina, for Denver, before and even Washington for some veteran quarterbacks before they go on the clock in April. So who knows? Maybe their quarterback in the near term will be figured out in all of those places. How about number 12, the Minnesota Vikings going with another defensive tackle out of Purdue. And um, Matt, who is the Vikings selection at 12? George Karloftis. And I heard he's going to test like crazy. He's very powerful. 4-3 front, he's going to be, you know, a compliment to... They've always invested there, and they haven't gotten a lot back from that position So lately. So I think that's the direction they go. But they're a tough one to pin down right now, too. You talked about the wide receiver going to the Cleveland Browns. Your first wide receiver off the board here is Drake London out of USC. Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa sneaking into the top 15 here. I know he was one of your favorites from the Senior Bowl. Um, he, he's... Um, he, Raven nastiness. I yeah, nastiness. Nasty is a good yep. word there. I was trying to think of the right word. Honorary comes to mind for Trevor Penning, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. All right, Matt, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles who are coming up uh, with a with a triple play here of selections in the teens. They're up at 15, 16, and 19 here. So fill in those picks and the picks in between with the Chargers and Saints as well. Yeah, this is your uh, Eagles portion of the draft, which would be really fun if you're an Eagles fan, but I can certainly see them moving around. They haven't addressed the second level of their defense in a decade. So the fact that Devin Lloyd is still there, I think would be really attractive to them. I think he's a top 10 type talent in this class, 
but he's a linebacker and there's a lot of good ones. So they get their pick of the linebackers. Then they go Garrett Wilson, who I'm really growing fond of from Ohio state. And I think they need a comp. They need one more wide out. I mean, preferably someone with some size, but that's okay. I mean, a compliment to Devonte Smith makes a lot of sense to me, but Wilson is really dynamic, kind of has some Odell-like qualities. So they, they, they kind of round out their pass catchers at that point. And we got the Chargers here at 17. It's another position, pure nose tackle types, you know, uh, how much do the people value them? But the way that Staley runs his defense with lighter boxes, he really needs a guy like Jordan Davis. Yeah, I mean, I like this because – it's need. I don't know if value is there, but I right. mean, he's a monster. What six six three forty? Jordan Davis, like oh, fix crazy. that run defense. And if there's one player who could do that for you and plug it into the middle of that defensive line, I mean, I, th- this one just makes a lot of sense for me. And interior defensive line, I don't see Jordan Davis going much higher. Right, hundred percent. Um, they just need it. Their run defense is really poor. He fits the bill. And again, it's not like it's loaded with blue chippers at this point. Um, then I got the Saints again. They don't have a quarterback, and they don't have cap space. So I kind of feel like they have to take one in the, in round one. Who is that? I don't know 100%, but I think Matt Corral makes a lot of sense, keep him in that area of the country, and um, would fit in well with what they have. And that brings us to the final selection from the Philadelphia Eagles, the final of the three. Going defensive end here? Yep. And Brandon Graham is up in age. This is a team that loves to build on the line of scrimmage. Uh, David Ajabo from Michigan might even be more talented than Hutchinson. He hasn't played long, but he's coming on super strong. I bet he lights up the combine. Good edge class. I think the Eagles want to get one of the premium guys. Which brings us to, Matt, the team you are closest to, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I had a feeling it'd be a quarterback here. I wasn't sure which quarterback you were going to go with, but uh, apparently the the Pittsburgh Steelers, I've heard two things about the Steelers and their scouting process so far. I've heard that they really love Malik Willis, and I've also heard that they've been traveling quite a bit, quite often, and, and, and putting up some, some miles on the way down to North Carolina to watch quarterback Sam Howell, who you have them selecting here at number 20. Yeah, and I don't love it. I mean, I think this is a little early for Howell, but your conversation, if he's worth it at 32, he's probably worth it at 20. And, you know, I mean, he has a lot of tools, um, big arm, deep passer, good runner, tough guy, uh, the youngest of the quarterbacks, I think, from the potential first-rounders. He's a true third-year guy. You know, he's still 21 years old. So I didn't see a tackle here that was worth it, so I grabbed the quarterback. Jamison Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama, going at number 21. He would be probably the number one wide receiver on a lot of boards. Would he have been the number one receiver for you if not for the late season injury? And and how hard was it to place him in this class? Yeah, I I like Wilson a lot as well. But, you know, I I always think that that Saban-Belichick connection is a real thing. And, you know, this guy's got tons of talent. They'll have all the inside information. They need a receiver bad. Pick 22, the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Nicobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. Multiple Georgians going in this draft already in the first round. Cornerback Trent McDuffie from the University of Washington to the Arizona Cardinals at 23. The Dallas Cowboys at 24 going Kenyon Green, guard from Texas A&M. And another corner, Andrew Booth out of Clemson to the Buffalo Bills at 25. Uh, Which one of those picks standed out most to you? I'm seeing a lot of corners in this 
portion of the mock draft. Do you think there's a, this is the run on cornerbacks here with those playoff teams that need uh, to cover a little bit better? Yeah, I think the Cardinals and Bills really could use a complimentary number two type corner. Good place to get them. Uh, Dean could be the leader of that Raiders defense. Makes a lot of sense. And we know the Cowboys put a lot of investments into offensive line. It might be time to get younger there. Traylon Burks is uh, a big-bodied wide receiver out of Arkansas. You've got going to the Titans at 26. I mean, opposing defensive backs and and little fast-guy corners aren't going to be wanting to tackle Traylon Burks and A.J. Brown. Um, And, oh, yeah, still got Julio Jones over there in Tennessee as well as some size at wide receiver. Desmond Ritter, QB5 in this class. Let's pause there for a second. Everyone talks about how it's not a great quarterback class. We've got five quarterbacks going in the first round here. Again, I mean these teams need them and they may not be slam dunk type starters, but I, I like them more than Kyle Trask. You know what I mean? Like if I can upgrade a quarterback on a, 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 a young, uh, you know, a rookie contract for the next couple of years, it seems like something a team like Tampa Bay might have to do. You know, same with new Orleans, same with Pittsburgh, Washington. I mean, these guys said, where do the quarterbacks come from? I've liked Desmond Ritter for a while. Uh, yeah, he's you know, interesting. And especially, you know, if, if you can get him in the second round area and Tampa Bay does need to figure something out with Tom Brady retiring. They have Kyle Trask, who they just signed. Does that mean they want to go or who they just drafted last year? Does that mean they want to go veteran with Trask and see how that works out? Or do they go back into the draft? So interesting question there for the Bucks at 27. You've got them taking Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. And let's finish this up. Chris Olave, the second Ohio State wide receiver in this class, going to the Packers at 28. We've got Falale, Daniel Falale, offensive tackle out of Minnesota at 29 to the Dolphins. I think that fits right in with exactly what we had talked about. Offensive line, offensive line, offensive line for those Dolphins. Kansas City Chiefs going Trevon Walker, defensive lineman from Georgia. Another big man out of Georgia in this class. 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals. Zion Johnson, guard out of Boston College, who, along with Linderbaum, is just clear interior offensive lineman and a clear need there for the Bengals. I love that selection for the Bengals at 31. And then you've got the Detroit Lions, who owned the Rams pick, finishing up the first round with Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. The first thing i got to say here is, wow, projecting the Rams to win the Super Bowl. Okay, Matt. Well, they're favored, so I stuck them at 32. <laughs> All right. th- th- those are in italics right now, subject to change after Sunday. But um, since he needs an O-lineman, Detroit doesn't, so I don't think that they're going to conflict with each other too much. Um, one thing I'm going to change today is Miami, uh, they absolutely need to take a tackle. I don't think your Niner style of run scheme wants a 387-pound mm. player. You know, yep. I-, I think they would go with – uh, Bernard Rainman, Raymond uh, from Central Michigan, who's a tight end turn tackle and might even be the better prospect overall. So I'm just going to switch yep. the name there for Miami now with the coaching news. Nope, that, that's uh, that's on point. Yeah, look, look for athletic offensive linemen. Yep, you, you, yep, yep. They, you know, you want some power and you want you want everything if you can get it. If you're a Miami Dolphins offensive lineman, but if you're predominantly trying to do the wide zone stuff, you got to be able to get out in the second level, get out and reach block, and um, probably not a you know a, a Trent Brown type who the 49ers immediately traded right, away right, when right. Kyle Shanahan came over. That's the style, you know. 
350 plus pound tackle probably not what the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel are going to be looking for maybe even Zion Johnson there just best offensive lineman available and Zion Johnson's probably once you start getting especially into the 20s and those playoff teams just like the 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 easiest plug and play this guy's a good player let's just draft a good player here and get out of the first round with a with a a long-term starter so I love that pick for the Bengals uh, with Zion Johnson the guard out of Boston College who just looked awesome at at the senior bowl solidified his first round stock probably late first round maybe but first round stock nonetheless yeah I think he's about as solid a pick as you can make all right, fantastic stuff there. Uh, pretty clear where the strengths are in this class. Deep, but not top-heavy class at edge, quarterback. I mean, tons of offensive linemen and offensive tackles in this class. I think there's a run on wide receivers. Every year seems to be uh, just an awesome wide receiver class. This year, no different. And some good cover guys to cover those wide receivers as well. So pretty clear how this class is starting to shape up talent-wise in 2022. Hundred percent. So that was fun. Yeah. I mean, it'll, next one will be much different. I can promise. More Wait, so than most years. Hold on. Yeah. You don't think you nailed it? I think you should retire him. <laughs> I think you should retire this Walk year off. because I don't see anything wrong with this. Mic drop. Done. There will not be any Bye. trades whatsoever. Sure. The Nobody trades is fun. like I because there's no quarterbacks and because maybe there's not that type of prospect the teams are going to be fighting to get up to get. Is there any spot where you say, okay, this is the best chance for a trade? There's so many teams that have multiple picks that makes me think that there's potential for something, but I don't know if I see that natural fit where okay, this team is obviously the team that's going to go up and they've got multiple picks to go do it. Yeah, I would say. I mean, the chances of Philly making three picks out of what five or six. It's probably pretty slim. The opportunity to go somewhere or even down, just continue to right, build right, right. picks into the Pick future, the future too. First, right. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to take five There are three guys. Boom, boom, boom. I love yeah, that. that that's rare. I love active GMs that aren't afraid to make trades and a bunch of teams with multiple picks. It's just going to make for a, a, a really fun draft, especially early. And just to see how, draft analysts versus teams look at these players and I know there's going to be some shockers as well because things are really tight with the rankings right now but I think some separation will also happen as we go through this process from with some cream rising to the top agreed agreed I mean it's a good way to learn you know you start to think as those around you think godfather theme there and that's what mock drafts are right and seeing how already in this mock draft how just the change of Mike McDaniel getting hired and Lovey Smith getting hired sort of changes how you might look at some of these things for different teams and solidified one pick there at number three and maybe changed how you're looking at pick 29 100% 100% I knew I I was going to put a lineman there for the Dolphins but now I have a better feel of what type of lineman yes exactly all right good stuff that is Matt Williamson's mock draft 1.0 if you don't like it or you love it let him know at Williamson NFL on Twitter. You can find me at BD Peacock on Twitter and get those Twitter questions in for tomorrow's episode. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some feedback on your mock draft. So I can't wait for that as part of tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday as well. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On 49ers podcast, which is hosted by yours truly. You can find Matt Williamson doing Locked On Dynasty here on the network. Locked On Bets, hosted by Q Myers and uh, Lee Sterling, helping out with expert analysis, talking about the entire sports betting world. And no matter the sport, your team is covered daily and for free right here on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast platforms. Matt and I back tomorrow. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.